When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your number. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you father, a father of many nations. I will make you very faithful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants, and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant that you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be, in, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born of your household or bought with the money of a foreigner. Those who are not of your offspring, whether born, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting, everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised, uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be that she will be the mother of the nation of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, "Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, "If only Ishmael might live under your blessing." Then God said, "Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son." and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for him, for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful, and he will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear, whom Sarah will bear to you by the time next, by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those who were born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and, and circ, he, every male in his household and circumcised them. As God had told him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on the very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his, in his household or bought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, happy Father's Day to the men out there, or father's figures. Yeah, um, that was, that's my oldest daughter, so it's a good moment for me to say, yeah. Some, she's turned out very well. It's, it's a good opportunity for a dad to say, yes, thank you, God, for your grace. <laughs> um, 
We're just going to be looking today at God's plan and God's promises. Uh, but before we dig in, let's spend some time in prayer. And um, yeah, just let's open up this time to God. Thank you, Father, for this morning where we get to, again, just open your word and continue this story of Abraham, his life that we've been following over the last several weeks. And um, God, I pray that you have something to speak into each one of our lives and each one of our situations. Um, God, your, your word is powerful. It's living. And um, God, there's always elements that we can take from it and, and apply and use and be encouraged through. And so today, God, I just pray that that would happen once again. Open our ears so we can hear. Open up our hearts, Father, um, so we can just be prepared to let you speak into each one of our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so companies today, um, they make money when they solve a problem. The bigger the problem, typically the more money they're going to make. If you have a million-pound problem, you come up with a solution, probably going to make a million pounds. Billion-pound problem, same thing. And so... Um, that's kind of the way that money flows today. Apple just released um, this, uh, this, these goggles. They're like augmented reality, virtual reality goggles. Um, and so the question, I was, I was watching a short documentary on this, and it's like, what problem is Apple trying to solve? Because you know they're going to make bank on those pair of ski goggles, right? They kind of have, they have kind of a, it's a screen, and it projects images on what's around you, and I think it can double as just closing you off to, to your own little world as well. What problem are they trying to serve? Is, is there really not enough entertainment today? Like, <laughs> we have loads of entertainment. It could be that. Maybe it's just a, something to make us go, wow. Maybe, but those, neither one of those sound like really big problems to me. And in this documentary, um, they propose that virtual reality is basically a way that you can have anything that you want. Well, that's a problem because a lot of us can't have everything that we want. And so they're saying, maybe these glasses could do something like that for you. Um, maybe you can't do it because of time, money, right? Um, could be health reasons. There's just, you want a mansion? Throw these goggles on. Download it. I'll, put, I'll choose that one. Uh, you want your favorite sports car that you will never, ever own? Download it. Drive it. There are no average speed radars. You can drive it as fast as you want. You can get, finally get that experience. Um, I just had my birthday this week, my 40th birthday, and I thought that maybe if I was going to have a 40th birthday present, it could be this car. Now, this car has been my dream since childhood. I was like, if I can own this car, <laughs> this is the birthday that's going to be sitting on my driveway when I wake up in the morning. And guess what? None of you thought that it was there because it definitely was not there. Um, but thought of, well, this is a way for me to actually have and drive this car, right? Um, uh, if you want um, a house with a giant screen that rivals those at a cinema, you can, you can have that right now. If you want to travel to Bora Bora, no plane tickets, you can be there and as fast as you can put on your glasses. Um, I've been hearing that um, Cricket Stadium, 
in Edgebaston, I've been hearing them cheer, like from our house. All of a sudden you hear, yeah, yeah, and our house windows are rattling a little bit. And my kids are like, what in the world is going on? Oh, that's cricket. You know, they are super excited about it. Now, could you imagine putting on some goggles and being one of the players on this team and surrounded by thousands of people cheering you on? You might not ever get that experience depending upon your age or your athletic abilities. But maybe now you can have it, which is so cool. Without the work, without the time, without the dedication. It sounds cool, doesn't it? Like, in all honesty, I would, go, I would try some of these things. They sound fun to me. It can all be yours while you still struggle to pay your electricity bill. Hmm. Now, as we look at Abraham, we will see God made a promise to him, a promise of fruitfulness in Genesis 15. Um, this is just a reminder going back a few weeks. Um, remember, it was, it was the moment, if you guys weren't here, it was the moment where God says, look at the stars. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. That was just a couple chapters ago. And as time passed, it wasn't happening. And Abram and Sarah were sitting in their tent watching TV when this commercial came up. They weren't, there were no TVs then. I'm just imagining this play out. God's promise not happening? Are you tired of waiting for God to come through on the one thing he said he would do? The solution can be solved today. Do it your own way. Stop waiting. Create your own solution that seems wise in your own eyes, and you can have what you want now. It's all about you, you, you. And then there'd be a the little disclaimer at the end of the commercial. Make a decision now. You're not getting any younger. Battery's not included, right? It's just, it's just, and they must have looked at each other and said, yes, I have a solution. And then, as we learned about last week, if you weren't here, Hagar is introduced in the story. And Sarai said, I'm not having any kids. I'm too old for this. Take my, take my slave. Take my servant. And Abram, have children through her instead. She didn't want to wait. She lost trust, and she said, that's it. Now, in some ways, I really get it, <laughs> because Abram and Sarah waited a really long time. It's not like they were just like, oh, you know, we're getting towards the end of the possibility of having a child. No, like they were way past that. The laws of science were saying, nope, can't happen. By the world's standards, they were patient. But that's what they're measuring their standards on, the world's standards, and not God and his promises, the promise that he actually made to them. It wasn't on his power or his might. And so Hagar, and then pride came into the picture, and impatience, and jealousy, and faithlessness, and weeping, and anger, and chaos, as Johnny was talking about last time, everything shifted, the cosmos shifted because Abram and Sarai took their central force off of God and put it on themselves, and things started spinning out of control. Abram and Sarai put on those VR glasses, but it wasn't real. It wasn't a true fulfillment of God's promise, and they took it into their own hands. And now, where we are in chapter 17, we're about 13 years later, after all this chaos, Ishmael is 13. This is the son of Abram. 
and Hagar, and God speaks to Abram again, saying, this is my promise to you. Just the fact that God came back to Abram and said, this is my promise to you, can I just highlight what a good God he is? He knows that sometimes we need reminders. He's completely aware of that. We need reminders of who he is and what he says he will do. Something that we have today to remind us of God's promise is his word. If we want to be reminded of the promises he makes to us and the promises he's made to other people generations and generations ago that continues to this day, all we have to do is open God's word. We have that privilege. We have that benefit. And in all honesty, we probably don't open it enough to, to reflect, to be reminded of how good God is and how he comes through time after time and after time. In the midst of waiting or doubt or trial or weakness or sadness or hopelessness, we can turn the pages of God's word as that reminder of God's love towards us, his promises, and a reminder of his power, right? Anyways, um, God comes to Abraham again saying, this is my promise to you. And Abraham is, say, Abraham is saying, yes, okay, all right, God's talking to me. I hear him audibly, falls to his face. God said, this is my covenant with you. This is verse 4, chapter 17. You will be the father of many nations, right? Here's the beginning of your new life. Here's a, he gives him a new name. We're going to come back to that in a little bit because that's significant as well. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Um, here is a covenant. This is a long-term covenant. It's going to include, you are going to have nations come through you, right? It includes children. It includes land. It includes blessing. But you need to hold up your end of this bargain, right? Here's your job. Verse 1. Abram, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. He's going to make you, I will make you fruitful. Kings will come through this lineage, right? This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant that you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Every male in your household needs to be circumcised. Um, just a, a brief explanation on circumcision. It, it's, just, it's a medical procedure that removes a bit of extra skin from the male anatomy. Okay? It doesn't change the function. Um, it just changes the appearance. This is a, this is a very permanent thing as well. Um, and it would have separated the household of Abraham from the rest of the world in all essence. As generations continued and as this nation began to spread and they continued to fulfill this covenant and this engagement of circumcision, um, it would have been a proof of how God worked and how the nation spread from Abraham. So it was almost like a seal saying, hey, like this was my promise to Abram. And now look, you would be able to see that after the course of generations. And Abraham is good with this. Hats off to him. He's like, yep, that's fine. Then he goes on to this, right? God speaks about his wife, Sarai. He says, this is verse 16, through her, this promise will be fulfilled. And this, surprisingly to me, is where the disbelief washes in. And he laughs. He's like, <laughs> he's basically like, look at our age. Have you not seen us? There ain't 
No way. Circumcision, I'm good with. This part is laughable, right? Then Abraham says, well, okay. Well, only if this could be done through the son I already have in Ishmael. Could, could this possibly work? Like, I, I heard what you said. I heard what you're going to do. But here's a, here's a solution, God, right? Like, this has to work. He's 13. He's growing. Like, like let the nations, let, let, this, let, this, let this game get started, right? It wasn't the best scenario, but he's of my flesh. That would make sense to Abram. It would make sense. And this is also the way that I can have what I want right now because we've been waiting a long time and frankly, I don't know. No waiting, no faith necessary. Here he is. So we have a problem. We have God's way of doing it. We have God's solution. We have God's plan. And following God's plan is going to take sacrifice. It's going to take patience. It's going to take faith, trust, and constant admittance that our own plan can't compare to the plan of the king. I think we struggle with that one a lot. It's constantly admitting, yes, I know, this is my idea. Here's a good one. God, I want to lay this on the table and propose it to you. Like, I know maybe you have a different direction for me at this time, but I'm just going to lay this out there because I think I got some pretty good ideas. I'm a pretty smart guy. And it's constantly saying, no, you know what? God's ways above mine. <laughs> if, even if it doesn't make sense to me, it's God's ways. The one thing I think it's really good to be aware of is the attack from the enemy, right? The enemy has a plan here too. What is Satan's attack going to be on the issue? Satan's problem, his million-dollar problem, billion-trillion-dollar problem, is seeing God's plan fulfilled. So he's going to want to say, he's going to want to step in and say, nope, I know God has a plan. I want to see what I can do to derail this whole thing. Like, that's his plan. And if we think of combat or we think of competition, one of the best things that we can do is get the playbook of the opposing team, right? And not ignore that. And there's some things that Satan does on a regular basis that we can say, okay, this is his plan. I want to be aware of it. I want to be ready so that way I can see God's plan fulfilled. Satan's plan is selfishness instead of sacrifice, right? It's this get-it-now mentality instead of patience on the Lord. You don't have time to wait, Sarai. You don't have time. Get it now. Use your, use your servant, girl. That's a solution. The lack of faith instead of faith. Oh, I hear what you're saying, God, but only if it could happen through Ishmael. It's disbelief instead of trust. Abraham's laughing at God's proposal. Taking things into our own hands because God's plans don't seem logical. These are some things and some areas that Satan's going to try and say, hey, here's a way around it. Here, no, no, don't do it God's way. These are some of the ways that he wants to see his plan worked out through you, but I have, go, go a different route. Go a different route. These are tactics of the enemy. And sometimes, and maybe you guys feel the same way, sometimes when I read the Bible, I think, man, how did Abraham and Sarah fall for those tactics? 
How did Adam and Eve fall for that snake? Are you kidding me? Wasn't it obvious? How did David, King David, fall the way he did? Wait, how did, how did Moses mess up the way he did? Uh, King Saul, don't get me started, and Solomon, if that wasn't, dude, Solomon. Like, there, there's times where I'm looking at people who have stumbled into failure over and over in the Bible, and I'm like, why? Was it not evident? Well, Peter and Judas and the Pharisees, like they had Jesus walking amongst them, and they were so blinded. But we fall for these tactics all the time. It's so good to be aware of the traps he sets so we can be proactive in our lives and stand firm against his attacks by remaining in the promises of God, by remembering the promises of God. And so, um, I'm just going to keep going. Now, we are finally in this chapter where Abram gets a new name. I probably messed it up several times during the sermon. We've been talking about Abram the whole time, Abram, Abram, Abram. And this is the point where he gets his new name, Abraham. And his wife, Sarai, gets her new name as well. It goes from Sarai to Sarah, right? And with a new name, it's a new chapter. It's a new life. It's a new beginning, right? It's a new way of doing things. And we see name changes in the Bible with some of the disciples. Um, we see Saul to Paul in the New Testament. If you don't know who Saul was, he was persecuting the Christians at the highest level. And God stepped into his life, and he had this life change. And he said, no, you're not Saul anymore. Now you're Paul. And so this name change represents a turning of the page, a changing of their life. And we see this here with Abraham and Sarah. A new life, a new name. Now we as Christians, if you're a Christian today, there was a point where you said, I want to live for Jesus. There was, there was some point, or it could have been gradual, but... There has been a transition from living for yourself to living for Jesus. And we have a new name as well. And he has moved us from guilty to forgiven. He's given us a name and we are forgiven. We are loved. We are valued. And it's all through what Jesus had done for us on the cross and through his resurrection. It's those two things together that he could give us a new name. Then we get to see a new chapter in our lives as well. And that means we need to be moving from our selfishness and being impatient and our faithlessness and our disbelief and assuming that we have the best way of doing things. That means there needs to be a transition in the way we think, a, a new, newness of our mind as we start to think through the filter of how does God want to see things done. We want to move to a life of sacrifice, of patience, of faith, Trust and admittance that God's plan is the best. But in that life change, we get to benefit from the promises of God. When you begin your life with Jesus, that means now you get to benefit from the promises that he makes to us in his word. And we're going to look a few, at a few of those at the end. I just want to move this whole story into our own situations. just want to give you a moment to think of an area in your life that you feel like you might be sitting at that same place that Abram and Sarah were, 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 were sitting at. 
Maybe you don't feel like you're getting answers. Maybe you're in a situation where it seems like God should intervene and put a stop to something, but it keeps going on when it doesn't make sense to you. Maybe finances have been tight. It could be just this looming uncertainty of the future. It could be health-related. It could be a relationship issue. Maybe it's a habit that you've been battling for years, and you've prayed, and you've talked about it. you tried, but it doesn't seem to get any better. Or maybe you just feel like you've plateaued in your life or plateaued in your faith. Or maybe you're on a decline. Maybe your faith feels stagnant. I want to encourage you to let God remind you. We need those reminders to let God remind you of who he is and the promises that he's made to you. Like we have the benefit of looking ahead to see God's fulfillment of his promises to Abraham and Sarah. Like we can read the next chapters and see, okay, how did God fulfill his promises? It was a big promise. It was an unlikely promise as far as the world is concerned, but it wasn't too big for God. We have the book of Revelation to look forward to remind us of who wins in the end. Because sometimes we can be so focused on the right now and thinking we're never going to get out or through. And if we need encouragement, if we need promises, we look at the book of Revelation, we go, oh, this is how it ends. God is the victor in the end of this. We can look to Jesus and be reminded that his love is sufficient for us as he gave his life for us on the cross. We can be reminded through Christ what it means to forgive And to serve, we can be reminded that pain, when put into God's hands, can change lives. It can change perspective. And it can also be used to encourage others when you put it into God's hands. When we trust him, when we acknowledge that his plan is better than our own, when we patiently wait upon him and place our faith in him. So I just want to, their promise, there's... There's literally thousands of promises in the Bible, and sometimes we're completely, we go through life as Christians being unaware of some of these promises. So um, I started saying there's thousands because I chose 14 to read out to you, and I didn't want you to think 14 was a whole lot. I don't want you to think, oh, 14, that's so many. There's thousands. So I kind of narrowed it down pretty well, all right? So I just want to share this with, share with, this with you. Um, I'm going to kind of read the title of the promise. And I, wanted, I want you to take a moment to say, okay, that registers. That's, that's an area where I need a reminder of God's promise. I'm going to read the verse and the reference at the end of the verse. So if you hear me say something, you're like, yeah, that's it for me. Take out your phone. Write the verse down. Take out, write it down in a notebook, however you want to. Just something to rem- remember that. Go to the chapter in your Bible and, and highlight it, what, whatever you might need. Um, and then, and then reflect on that throughout the week. Write it down. Stick it inside your refrigerator. So every time you don't know what you want to eat and you open up the refrigerator, you, you have that verse waiting there for you and you can read it. Maybe that's what the electricity does. Maybe put it inside your, your cabinet. Don't put it inside your refrigerator. Sit it on the back of the, of, of the door of your, of your loo. I don't know. Just something to remind you of these promises, okay? All right. So God's promises never fail. Right? This is important because we're going to be leading through 
reading through several verses, it's good to know that the promises that God makes doesn't fail. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. That's found in Joshua 21.45. God is always good. God is always good. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 119.68. God is always with me. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. God is faithful. Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. That's Hebrews 10.23. God is kind and compassionate. Maybe that's a promise you need today. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. Who has compassion on you? It's found in Isaiah 54.10. Maybe you're in the lack of purpose right now. It's a promise that talks about God designed me for a purpose. For we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. This one was a good one for me. God loves me deeply no matter what. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 8, 38 and 39. God gives me power for my life. But the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7. God's presence brings joy. There are times where I'm like, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I don't want to engage in this way. Maybe I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. I don't want to pray. I don't want to go to God's word. It's just a reminder, God's presence, engaging with him, brings joy. You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 16, verse 11. Are you guys doing okay? We got a few more. This is the 10th. This is the 10th one. God will fill me with overflowing hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. God will strengthen and help me. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 10. God will give you wisdom. I talked to someone about 
the need for wisdom just this morning before service. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's James 1.5. Two more. God's promises you an abundant life. The thief only comes to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God can be trusted. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Hebrews 10.23 Can I ask you guys to stand as we, as we pray together? Father God, we have an opportunity today. We have been given a reminder through the life of Abraham and Sarah that you are faithful and that you will do what you said you will do. We know that the enemy wants us to believe otherwise. God, we want to learn from this. We want, help us to be able to trust you. Help us to put all of our hope in you. We don't want to cheapen your promises by assuming that we need to take them into our own hands. We want to allow you, Father, to work in our lives. We want to abandon every area to you completely, setting aside what the world says, and trust in you. Whether it's with our family, with our marriage, our job, our health, our future, or God, even our past. We want to trust you completely in every area of our lives. Help us to know joy as we follow your lead and as we cling to your promises. In Jesus' precious name, amen.